Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is up. Okay, Danny, we are live. Uh, thanks for being here. You're coming from Oregon. And just so the audience knows, those who are watching on YouTube, he is not in a prison cell, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Danny wanted to make me wanted me to make sure everybody knew that. But anyway, Danny, thanks for being here. How you doing tonight? You feeling good? Thanks so much for having me, Chris. I really appreciate you spreading some joy. I know I'm not in a prison cell. I'm in beautiful seaside Oregon, but I'm in my motel room and I'm like, wow. I don't think I could get a worse background, but uh, we'll, we'll deal. <laughs> so, so um, Oregon, is that business pleasure? What's what's going on in Oregon? I, it was great. I just gave uh, a keynote and some breakout sessions to uh, the, Northwest, the Northwest Educators Conference for uh, Lutheran teachers. They were a wonderful audience. They laugh at the right jokes and they ask the right questions. And uh, it was just one of those days where I get to re-energize everybody and remind them why they do what they do for a living. Mm. So just to give the audience a quick background, I had to turn my light here just so see me better. Yeah. But anyway, um. A quick background, you know, you have readinghabit.com. Is that what it's called? Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And how did this all come about? I mean, what, you know, so to give a brief background so everyone knows kind of what we're getting into here. Well, so it's it's ironic, Chris. Thank you for that. I'm I'm considered uh, America's leading reading ambassador, and the reason that's ironic is because I grew up hating reading. My father was a librarian, and I always hated the public library growing up. Uh, it always smelled funny to me. The furniture was always uncomfortable. Kind of looked like this. Um, you know, there was always some elderly woman telling me to be quiet. There's always some homeless guy by the bookshelves thinks he's a vampire, freaking me out. And it. Was it wasn't until I actually started teaching in the inner city and I saw a lot of my students didn't have a lot of the advantages I had growing up. And I said, shame on me. I mean, I grew up lower middle class, but we always had food on the table. Sure. And my my parents, both parents were in the home and they always read in front of us kids to us. And we always had plenty of access to reading materials. And so it really became my life passion, spreading a joy of uh, reading and, and of uh, learning. And the, the way the reading habit came about was actually, um, I, I look at every obstacle as an opportunity. And when the pandemic occurred, uh, you know, people are asking me, well, how did that affect your speaking business? I'm like, oh, it was great. You know, there's nothing better than having a, a pandemic to cancel every single public event. I mean, that was <laughs> that did wonders for my speaking business. And but the good thing that came out of it, Chris, was I had to pivot. And so I had to come up with other forms of income. And so I created what's now the world's top reading engagement program online. So parents 
over the course of just over two months, every day they get videos from me showing them reasons on ways to get their kids excited about reading. Because the more excited you are to read, the more likely you are to read, and the more you read, the better they get. Because I find schools do an adequate job of teaching kids how to read, but what good is the teaching a kid how to read if they never want to read? I teach kids why to read because I've never had to tell a kid, go watch TV. I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game. And I never want to have to tell a kid, go read a book. I want them to choose to do it on their own. And so I'm always just giving people strategies. It doesn't have to be rocket science. Uh, we, we overcomplicate too many things in society. So it was a real blessing. Uh, we're all over the world. Uh, I partnered with this wonderful uh, uh, program called Cyber Smarties out of uh, Ireland. I love their CEO, Dermot Hudner. He and I are both into positive habit formation. He basically has a, it's a social media platform for kids ages six to 12, Chris, you'll love this. So let's say um, you type a message to me, you're like, Danny, I think you're ugly. It won't let you send the message. Instead, oh. you get a video from me saying, hey, there's better ways to talk to people than that. Here are some options. And basically, after just a couple of weeks, kids stop sending negative messages. And it's basically completely eliminated cyberbullying in Ireland. And now we're in India, we're in Ghana, we're in the UAE, we just opened up in Turkey. And we're just teaching positive habit formation, which is what I think all of us, even adults, a lot of us need to, to remind ourselves of those positive habits that uh, lead to success. Yeah. So, I mean, and just going with that, I mean, because, you know, according to, I think, I forgot his name now, but he wrote the book, Coddling of the American Mind. And basically the whole book is just about cyberbullying and just how terrible it is in the modern world or present day, whatever you say, and especially among teenagers and adolescents. And that it's just so easy basically to be behind a keyboard and, you know, talk, I guess, garbage or trash or whatever you say, or just, you know, like it's almost be, it's cool to be negative. If that yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Fortunately, we live in a Yelp society where everybody has an opinion. Everybody has to gripe about something. Uh, and I, I just think, well, you can either focus on the negative or you can focus on the positive. I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And so I'm trying to develop positive habits in younger children because I see adults behaving completely uh, irresponsibly. And if I can't save the adults, well, at least maybe I can catch the next generation. Mm. Well, let's, let's take it back a little bit here. And, you, you know, you were talking about you were kind of introduced to reading at a very young age, and that was just kind of your thing. And, and now you're trying to teach children in the modern age to read. And, yeah. and like kind of what you're talking about with video games, television, I mean, with you, it seems like a, a very leisurely activity or a hobby, whatever you want to say, but is it, I mean, and you know, and I don't really know any statistics or anything about children reading or how it's going in schools or anything like that. But is it harder to get children to read? Because in, in today's time, just with all the distractions, like you said, because video games, TV, Internet, podcasts, telephones, whatever, it's just like, no, I'll just go listen to a podcast or I'll watch it on YouTube. Yeah, that's a really good question, Chris. I mean, uh, you know, when I'm speaking, I always have at least uh, one person in the audience like I don't understand why kids like to read don't like to read I like to read when I was a kid I'm like yeah when you were a kid fire had just been discovered I mean look at all <laughs> the competing for kids attention nowadays you got tv shows and movies where the cuts are so rapid no wonder kids have attention deficit deficit disorder I mean I saw the movie Transformers I had to go to the ER afterwards I didn't know what was going on uh, you got the internet where a kid can open up 30 windows at a time I mean you got video games where some of the characters in the video games look more lifelike than some of the celebrities I saw at the Academy Awards this year. And so my job is to get those kids excited about reading. I think this is where schools are falling short, is interest drives reading. The research is really clear on this. It doesn't matter what you read. 
all, all that matters is how much you read. doesn't matter if you're reading James Joyce or James and the Giant Peach. People who read more read better. I always tell this to parents. The little boy who only reads Captain Underpants is going to become a better reader than the little boy who refuses to read anything. Captain Underpants is the gateway drug to Shakespeare, but we got to get him hooked first. And that's where we're falling short. I mean, I hated reading growing up. I yeah. mean, I hated it. I, and I'll never forget, Chris, uh, I was in high school and my English teacher made us read The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. And no offense to the people that love The Scarlet Letter. The uh, the book is about uh, Hester Prynne commits adultery. And so she's forced to wear an A on her chest. And I raised my hand in class and I asked my teacher if she could be, put a B on my chest because I was so bored reading that book. And this is where I, I, I take it. I'll give you an example. When I was teaching, I taught most of my career in South Central Los Angeles. And I had, uh, when I was teaching second grade, I had a little boy, Kiara. And Kiara's first grade teacher told me, Kiara don't know nothing. I'm like, well, thank you for that. Uh, Kiara, who didn't know nothing, comes into my classroom one day, Chris, and he's like, hey, Mr. Bissell, you see Barkley last night? He had 18 points and 16 boards. I'm like, Thank you, Kiara, because from that day forward, every day after lunch, I'd put them on my lap. We'd sit there and read the L.A. Times sports page together. And wouldn't you know it, Chris, by the end of the year, Kiara was one of my best readers. And I swear all that kid ever read about was sports. But you got to get them hooked. Sure. You got to get them hooked. And that's where I help parents because parents have no idea. You know, you got to eavesdrop. I mean, if the kids are talking about NASCAR, get them NASCAR books. They're talking about J-Lo, get them a biography on Jennifer Lopez. I don't care what they read. You know, I, I, I shouldn't say I don't care what they read. I mean, I, I definitely want kids reading positive things. I mean, right. I do book recommendations for teenagers. And I mean, it's so difficult finding teen books for young adults where it's not about dystopian society or date rape or something miserable. I'm like, no wonder teenagers are all screwed up. Give them something positive to read. Uh, we need to fill our mind. I mean, one of my uh, mentors, Charlie Tremendous Jones, used to say, you're the same today as you will be in five years, except for two things, the books you read and the people you meet. So I always remind my kids, you know what? Be wise, surround yourself with people that lift you up and make sure to fill your mind with positive things. That's why I, I, I listen in a podcast like yours, Chris. I mean, I, there's too much negativity in the world. I want things that are positive, that are filling me up with enthusiasm, with hope. So thank you for all that you do. Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that. But that was one of the things that it seems like was always going on that people, it's so easy to be negative in today's world. So, and, and just to be surround yourself, or some people can surround themselves with negative people and it just pulls you down, even if you are a positive person. You know, it's just like a, what do you call it? A bucket of crabs where, you know, one crab is trying to get out. The rest of the crabs are just trying to pull them down. Right. Yeah. And it's almost as hard to get out of that, you know, that negative habit or negative social loop, whatever you want to say. But um, I guess my point is, though, that, you know, with the power of reading, that's one thing I've had to learn in my adulthood. And I was like you that growing up, I didn't want to read anything. You know, I just thought it was for nerds. It was for losers. You know, mm -hmm. I had other things to do, but I finally found that. You know, I liked comic books. So I was buying those graphic novels. I think that was what they were called at the time. Like these really long comic books. And yeah, yeah. they were more graphic, but they were like Batman stuff. And it was like what you were saying. You made a connection with somebody like, oh, this is what I wanted to read or whatever. But then some people were like, oh, you don't need to be reading that. You need to be reading the Scarlet Letter, you know. But um, but I guess my point is that I found that, you know, I guess I kind of put that off. But when I found that I started reading more and finding what I did like, and you know, I got into leadership books and those self-improvement books and growth mindset books and, you know, with random stuff on the side, but it was like, Hey, this is what it's about. You know, just because somebody tells you to read something that, 
just because, you know, that's not going to work. But if I find something I actually like reading, like you said, with the sports pages and that kid, and it takes off and then you can kind of go from there, you know, and it's just that. That's I, I love, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I love your evolution of reading, Chris. I mean, because I see that all the time. I mean, I was just doing a training for a bunch of C-level uh, suite executives and I asked them, I'm like, uh, what was your favorite book growing up? And 70 percent of my audience was like Spider-Man. Fantastic Four. I'm like, comic books count. And then what they did is they got you in the habit of reading. And I love what you're talking about because you and I are very similar in our reading habits. I love like personal development books, leadership yeah. books. I, I I mean, I love biographies. I always point out to people, I'm like, isn't it interesting that the one common element in most biographies of successful people is they dropped out of school? I'm like, yeah. what's going on? I exactly. mean, how do we make it so school is actually beneficial? to the child. And I, 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 and again, I don't, I'm not putting down schools. It's not easy being a school. Schools get ripped on all the time. What I am saying is I'm always looking, complacency is a killer. How do we get better? Let's look at the problem. Let's figure out ways that we can make it better. Let's figure out ways to support teachers, to support parents, to support students. Yeah. So in your day to day, though, I mean, is this constantly what's going through your head? Are you looking at research? Are you looking at statistics? Are you trying to look at trends and saying, OK, what are teachers doing now, you know, as far as reading levels go or what, are you know, what is being taught in public schools compared to private schools compared to being homeschooled? I mean, how do you put it all together to figure out, you know, the best strategic way to help people of a certain age to start reading more? Yeah, so there's a lot in that question, Chris. So I was being interviewed a couple of weeks ago, and a, a reporter asked me, well, what do you think, uh, public schools or private schools? And I said, yes. You know, some kids' public school is the answer. Some kids' magnet schools is the answer. Some kids' vocational schools are the answer. Some kids' homeschool is the answer. I mean, I'm not here. Every kid's different. I mean, uh, I've always had a mouth on me, and I used to argue with leadership. I'm like, if the answer to my question is not because this is what's best for this kid— why are we doing it? To me, it's crazy to try and produce every kid to be the same type of person. I mean, that's something that I hope we get that I, in this country. I, I really hope we start embracing the diversity of each other. I, I, I celebrate the fact that people have different opinions with, than me. You yeah. know, if all of us were the same, Chris, the pandemic would have wiped us out. This is true. We need to be different. We need to surround ourselves with people that challenge us. I love being challenged all the time. I, and I that's why I love podcasts. I, I, I tell people it's an opportunity to listen to an intelligent discussion where maybe the two people don't agree, but that's fine. You don't have to agree with everybody on everything, sure. but you, you need to learn how to be respectful, how to listen. And let's see if there's a, a common ground that we can figure out how can we move forward from this. And so when I'm talking to people about uh, reading habits and things like that, you know, to me, it's interest drives reading. I'm always looking at the kid. Every kid's a little bit different. Um, I work a lot with struggling and reluctant readers. And I always tell people four out of five struggling and reluctant readers are going to be boys. You know, little boys and little girls are very different. Little girls will read books about little boys. Little boys don't like reading books about little girls. I mean, yeah. there's always exceptions. But uh, I was with a third grade teacher and she told me, Mario won't read anything. I'm like, I'll get Mario reading within an hour. I was wrong, Chris. It only took me 20 minutes. Nice. And the book that I gave Mario, he liked it so much. He memorized the first chapter of that book by the next week. The book that I handed Mario was called Just Disgusting by Andy Griffiths. Not the sheriff of Mayberry. This oh, is, okay. Yeah, this is an Australian author. He wrote The Day My Butt Went Psycho. And the first chapter in Just Disgusting is the 101 most disgusting things. Now, I don't remember all of them, but I can remember some of them. So it's like number 12, dog poop. 
Number 13, stepping in dog poop. Number 14, trying to wipe the dog poop off your shoe and getting it on your fingers. Number 15, eating a hot dog that tastes like dog poop. Number 16, realizing the hot dog tastes like dog poop because you forgot to wash your hands. I mean, that's how you get a little boy excited about reading. I tell people, don't get me wrong. I think Little Women is a wonderful book. But if you want a little boy to read that book, you better put diarrhea in the, in the title. You know, <laughs> I'm always listening to reading habits. What is, what is it that people and, – and so the entire basis of my program, Chris, is two numbers. The first number is 67. So a lot of people will tell you it takes 21 days to change a habit. I've and to those that. people, I say, show me the research on that. It doesn't exist. I know exactly where that number comes from. It comes from a wonderful book written in 1960 by Dr. Maxwell Maltz called Psycho-Cybernetics. Now, Dr. Maltz was a plastic surgeon, and in the preface of the book, he pointed out it took most of his patients about 21 days to get used to their new faces. Well, a lot of self-help gurus, personal development experts, people that you and I probably both admire, sure. uh, they started telling people it takes 21 days to change a habit. It's based on no research whatsoever. It's completely random. So in 2009, there was a habit formation study done by the University of London, and they found it took anywhere from 18 to 254 days to change a habit, and the average was 66 days. Now, I don't like the number 66, so I threw in a bonus day, 67 days. So okay. 67 days to change a habit. And it depends on the type of habit you're trying to change, Chris. So for example, if you want to drink a glass of water before breakfast, that might take 18 days to turn that into a habit. If you want to quit smoking, that's going to take 254 days to change that habit. And the reason that's important to understand, Chris, is let's say you go on a diet. You follow it religiously for 21 days. Then on day 22, you fall off the wagon. Mm -hmm. Well, you blame yourself. And that's wrong because research shows on average, it takes three times longer than that to sure. form a habit. So that's the first number I get people focused on, 67 days. My program takes 67 days, just over two months. The second number is 20. So researchers were looking at the common characteristics, the common habits of successful students all around the world, and they stumbled upon something that they couldn't believe. It was the number of minutes spent reading outside of school. So they looked at the low kids, the average kids, and the high kids. The kids near the bottom of the class, the 20th percentile, your F students, your bottom yeah. students, they average less than a minute a day of reading outside of school. That didn't surprise anybody. That's probably why those kids are at the bottom of the class. But this next number did startle researchers. The kids in the middle of the class, the 70th percentile, your C students, their average was 9.6 minutes a day. And this is when at a live training with parents, all of a sudden the room gets really quiet and the first parent raises their hand and asks me, wait a sec, Danny, are you saying if I can get my kid to read 10 minutes a day at home, I can take him from an F to a C? That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. There's a lot of research to support this, but this next number just blew researchers away. The kids near the top of the class, the 90th percentile, your A minus students, do they spend three hours a day reading outside of school? No. Probably Do they spend not. one hour a day? No. The average was just over 20 minutes a day. 20 wow. minutes a day, that is my goal for every parent listening right now. And so there's two things that you have to know about that. First of all, the, the minutes don't have to be consecutive. So you can do five minutes here, five minutes there. Hey, okay. Second of all, being read aloud to is just as good as reading on your own. So I always tell parents, well, wait a sec. 
If it takes you 10 minutes each way to drive your kid to school, put in an audio book and you just covered your 20 minutes on the commute to and from school. And that's what I, I'm showing parents all the time. I'm like, hey, I know it's not easy being a parent. I have three kids myself, you know, and it's it stinks being a parent, you know, because you always have that annoying friend who's like three year old composed a symphony, you know, and meanwhile, I'm like, well, my son has learned how to pick his nose with two fingers at the same time. You know, it's, everybody, it's, it's not like that. It's not easy yeah. being a parent. You know, it was either uh, it was either Socrates or Keanu Reeves who once said, you license to fish a license to drive a car, but any idiot can become a parent. Well, now that I'm a parent, that's been proven true. But in defense of parents, nobody gives them a manual at the hospital. And so one of my jobs as an educator is to inform uh, parents, here's some tricks of the trade. Here's some things that you can do, you know, to get your kid excited about reading. If you get uh, here, can I give you one, Chris? This is my favorite tip. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you all you want. Uh, this is my favorite tip. So, uh, a lot of people will tell me they have nothing to read at home. I'm like, oh, but you do. President Bush Sr. over 30 years ago signed a very important law in the United States. It says every television set sold in America has to have closed captioning. That's my tip for parents. Turn on the closed captioning. And parents will say, well, wait a second. If the show's in English and the subtitles are in English, what good does that do? I'm like, well, that's a fair point. Let me make a point. Have you ever watched a show with subtitles and not looked at the subtitles. It's very difficult to do. Your brain is actually directed towards the text. And there's actually research to support this. So it's crazy. So if you look at uh, reading scores around the world, the more kids watch TV, the lower their reading scores in every single country on the planet, except for one. The country where kids watch the most TV also has the highest reading scores in the world. It's Finland. And people always ask, well, how can that be? I'm like, well, Finland makes really bad TV shows. And so what they do is they import like Brady Bunch and Gilligan's Island and Three's Company from America. They have to subtitle everything and finish. The kids are reading constantly. This is the easiest trick I train parents to do. You turn on the closed captioning, you'll be amazed at how much better your kid starts reading. I would have never guessed that or even thought that would even be help anybody reading a closed caption except just to get whatever you can out of the show man i'm glad you told me that wow and 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 just touching on that because while you were talking going back a little bit you know like i said before we started the podcast you know i'll work in it and like all day long i'm either on a computer or walking somebody else's computer but um i'm a if i'm not listening to a podcast i'm usually got an audio book and if i don't have an audio book it's just some new album i want to listen to but you know when you said that you can get just as much i think is what you said just as much uh comprehension from whatever's reading being that's being read aloud that because that's what i've always heard when i've told people i would do audiobooks like well you probably can't get much out of that I was like, hmm. well i mean I, I think i do pretty well with it but you know but i think it's kind of depend on how you're doing it if you're like if you're reading if you're listening to the audiobook plus trying to do a podcast at the same time you're probably not going to get much out of it but um that was a good stat that you said that because you know because that, that's one of the things like that's a good argument that i have with some friends and stuff you know do you reading versus audiobooks. Yeah, so here's some more fuel for you Chris to tell your friends. So, a lot of people don't know that over over half of the Fortune 500 CEOs are dyslexic. And here's what people have to understand. Dyslexia is just a reading disability. All reading disabilities are curable, and dyslexia is by far and away the most undiagnosed uh, reading disability out there. Well, dyslexics tend to process information a lot better auditorial, auditorially through their ears. Yeah. One of the best ways that a lot of these CEOs uh, process information, they listen to Audible books all the time. 
And that's what I tell people. I'm like, it's just as good. I mean, obviously, I always prefer reading a book. But I mean, there's a, there's a different experience than if you're listening to somebody else read it to you. But the research is really, I'm actually one of these dorks that's read every government study of the last hundred years on reading. They're always these 2000 page reports, you know, uh, a nation at risk, why Johnny can't read, the national reading panel, becoming a nation of readers. And they're, again, these reports are always 2000 pages long. And it's always around page 100, where there's a little paragraph that says, the research seems to suggest the single best way to improve your reading is to be read aloud to. And then they never mention it again because that oh, sounds wow. way too easy. And I have, I mean, I've gone all over the world, Chris, and I've asked people all over the world, tens of thousands of people, how did you learn how to read? Sure. And I've never once had a person say, well, my grandmother, Nana, she used to sit me on her lap and we'd rock in her rocking chair back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And Nana would open up that picture book and she'd smile at me and she'd point to the words and say, ah, alligator, boom, boom, ball. No, I've never, never heard somebody say that's how they learned how to read. But I hear people all the time where they're like, wow, before I went to kindergarten, my mom or my uncle or my grandma, they'd always read with me every single night, picture books and nursery rhymes. Mm. Those kids, I'm telling you right now, when you look at the learning gap, it has nothing to do with schools. I found some kids enter school here, some kids enter school here, and that's where your gap happens. And all of a sudden it becomes even bigger uh, as, as kids uh, progress in school. And so the best way we can solve that is, you know, I actually work with tons of parents that don't know how to read. Sure. I say, you don't have to know how to read. All you have to know how to do is to open up that book and share this experience with your child, tell them a story. You know, I, I've had parents that the, the kids started realizing that the parent wasn't actually reading the words. And I'm like, wow, that's fascinating. The kid figured it out. I mean, I had... <laughs> This is a funny story. Uncle Bob, um, my my cousin, Diane, she's a, a very successful lawyer. She graduated top of her class from Columbia Law School. It wasn't until she started working for this impressive law firm that she found she found out that Old Yeller died oh, no. because my Uncle Bob, when he would read Old Yeller to her, when they get to the part where he shoots Old Yeller, my Uncle Bob would say, and they lived happily ever after. And I do the same thing all the time. I hate sad endings i always especially that's why i stopped reading books about dogs because i like dogs and i know if there's a dog on the cover they're going to kill the dog and so i always change oh. the ending and make it positive but it, these are the things so there's lots of fuel for you when your friends are saying oh you're just listening i mean listen away it's one of the best ways to improve your reading ability i'm sorry i get very long answers to short oh, questions but it's oh, yeah. excited giving me a lot to take into at the same time i love it dudes I learned a lot, but, uh, and you know, while you were talking about how, when you were learning to read, you know, I was remembering when in elementary school, how I was started to learn to learn or started to learn to read and that, and I guess long story short, you know, to give you a little bit of a background. So my older brother has cerebral palsy. So, mm. so growing up and which, you know, it's just, a you know, physically, you know, it, it impacts him more than mentally. But anyway, point of the story is, is that they thought teachers, administration, whatever you want to say, I had issues learning to read just because of my brother. So they put me in a separate class and I think they called it like challenge one or something stupid like that. And mm -hmm. I, they took me away from everybody. And, you know, 
And which I don't remember actually having trouble to read. They just thought I did. Maybe I had certain words I was mispronouncing, or maybe I wasn't completely comprehending everything. I don't know. But I remember just feeling such like a uh, an outcast, or you know, like there was something wrong with me. And I, I may, and I don't know. You know, when I talked about reading earlier, if that's what I grew up, started to hate reading just because I was like, well, maybe there is something wrong with me. Maybe this is why I don't want to read now, because I don't like it, you know? And, like, I made the connection and to there. And finally, after a while, they finally put me back in with the regular classes. And But, yeah, so I don't know. I, I don't really know what my point of that story was, but it was just... No, kind of there's a very major... There's an important point, Chris, is you were labeled, negatively labeled as a child. It drives me nuts. If you're going to spend the time labeling a child, you want you might as well label them a genius because kids rise or fall based on the expectation. I mean, when you're learning how to walk, when you keep on falling, do you hear your parents say, well, he's a non-walker? No. No. The kid keeps on trying, but I see them label kids all the time when the kid's making mistakes. Oh, he's not a very good reader. He's a non-reader. I'm like, there's no such thing. You didn't support that kid. You needed a voice. I mean, I wanted you in my classroom, Chris. That drives me nuts. I get ticked off when I hear that. I'm like, you know what? I always tell my kids, sometimes you need somebody else to believe in you before you believe in yourself. I believe in all of you. They only give me the best and the brightest. So let's go out and make this world a better place. You start telling that to a kid enough, like you're the one. Yeah. yeah, I do this all the time with kids. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. I was blessed. I've had wonderful mentors throughout my life. You know, I, I always tell this story. My wife grew up in Singapore in the most negative environment possible. People telling her her entire life she couldn't do anything. Sure. I have a photograph, Chris, of me when I was four years old wearing space boots, a San Diego Chargers football jersey, a sheriff's badge and a fireman's helmet because I was going to be the first ever astronaut, professional football player, police officer and firefighter. <laughs> That's the world I grew up in, Chris, and I think every kid needs to grow up in a world like that where they see all the possibilities. Sure. I mean, that's surprising. I mean, you know this in IT. You hear all these people talking about, oh, the negative things about uh, technology. I'm like, well, you could look at it that way. I, for one, love technology because right now, somewhere in this world, there's a kid on a dirt floor. Maybe that kid hasn't even eaten in the day. You know, um, they're barefoot, just impoverished. But if that kid has a laptop, Top and an internet connection, that kid has the exact same access as the head of Google. The world just got a whole lot smaller. You don't have to be born in New York City or in Paris anymore to succeed. You could be in the middle of Cambodia, dirt poor, and you could be the one that 
cures cancer. You can be the one that becomes this uh, uh, climate change activist that uh, gets people to start paying attention to the environment. You can be the person that solves the world economic crisis. I mean, I get very excited thinking about the possibilities. And again, I guess everybody needs those negative forces telling them the doom and gloom. I mean, I was watching a show on TV the other night. It was the most depressing thing I had ever watched. It was called, uh, oh, the news. And uh I've I've made a conscious decision, Chris. I don't watch the news. Good. Like here's here's a tip for everybody: turn off the TV news and read a funny children's book. I can already tell you what's on the news tonight. The world is coming to an end, and whoever the president is is doing a bad job. It's been the same negative news for the last 100 years. Read a funny children's book. You'll impress your friends. Yeah, I read a book cover to cover last night. People are like, "Wow, what was it about?" It was about this little red hen. I mean, I read ten books a day now. I mean, many of them are scratch and sniff and pop up, but I do read ten books a day. I like being around people that read. It's a much more interesting. You know, I, I want to know when you were talking about the books you're reading. I want to know what you're reading, Chris, because that's what stimulates me is being around successful people and figuring out well, what is it that this person's reading? Why are they reading that? What is it that where's that edge they're getting? You know, so I'd love to. To hear more about what you've been reading yeah no i mean well i've just finished uh well to my point real quick though that was one of the other reasons why i guess i kind of started reading too was that because to conversations i felt like i had more to bring yeah. to the table rather than just say hey i went to work and i worked out today and now i want to go home and watch whatever on netflix or whatever but like you know when you know politics came up religion leadership reading whatever you want to say came up it's like, hey i might have something to offer rather than just you know, like I said, hey, I went and picked up 225 pounds a day or whatever, you know. <laughs> so, hey, let's talk about something else. But, you know, what's cool, like even starting these podcasts that, you know, getting in network with people like you, I've had a couple people send me their books. So last right. night I finished one person's book and his name is Dominic Slice Tyke. Slice was his fighter pilot name, right? So oh, wow. Cool. He, yeah, and he compiled a book uh, with all the fighter pilots he knew, and they kind of wrote about their experiences in wow. – uh, I guess the Air Force and I guess somewhere in the Navy um, and like kind of ex lessons they've learned and what they're doing now as far as like how they took those lessons and like when they've gotten out of the, uh, the Army or Navy or whatever it was that now they're putting them into use in some kind of entrepreneurial way. And, you know, and, and when I tell people what I'm reading, like I like read a lot of books, like I've shown you're like there's self-improvement, growth, mindset, leadership, personal development books, but a lot of people are like, well, don't they just say the same thing all the time? Like, well, generally, yes, but I get a lot of good pearls and gems from it. You know, it's like, oh, I didn't really think about it that way. Or I didn't think about that point that way. You know, it's a, it makes me, you know, it kind of challenges me a little bit. So well, well, the people like that, Chris, I would ask, I would ask, have you ever had a steak? Have you ever had a steak? Oh, yeah. I had one last night. Okay. Why did you have it ever again? You had one steak. Well, it's the same thing with reading a personal development book. <laughs> One isn't necessarily enough, and right. repetition's not a bad thing. Sometimes you need to be told the same thing, and based on where you are in your life, it goes in your ears a different way every sure. single time. That's why I'm constant. I mean, I read everything. I I love biographies. Right now, I'm reading a, a biography on the New York Giants uh, football coach Bill Parcells. He's nice. fascinating. I mean, I guess he's coached more than them, but uh, just fascinating. Uh, I love sports books. I love biographies. But I have three kids and a wife, and so my date with all of them is I have different books with all of them. So yeah. my wife, she's into the Outlander series by Diana Gabaldon. And so we read the Outlander books together. Nice. Uh, my oldest daughter, she's into this, uh, what's it called? Shadows and 
Shadows and Fog, I think it's a fantasy series. And so that's how we connect. Uh, my my son is very into uh, the Civil War. And so we're reading The Killer Angels by Michael Shira, which is just an incredible book. Uh, and then my youngest daughter, for some reason, she likes literature. So we just read The Great Gatsby, which drives me nuts. I hate that book. It's one of my least favorite books. Uh, maybe it's because I just had so many traumatizing experiences in school when people forced me to read things. Oh. But... It is interesting reading it now, Chris. I, I at least appreciate it a little bit because I'm like, wow, that uh, that uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, he sure did know how to write a sentence. I mean, he's a pretty <laughs> beautiful writer. I just, it's the most boring story. Ugh, I can't stand the story, but it's, it's beautifully written. You sure. know, it's kind of like Hemingway. I'm like, okay, I guess they write nicely. I just hate the stories. They're so boring to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I like to bounce around with my reading as well. You know, I mean, yeah. You know, before that, I think I read Sacred Cow. It's a whole nutrition book. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like why you should eat, eat or why should you eat meat? And they talk about the ethics behind it and nutritional values and environmentally. Yeah. Um, biographies, I kind of get into every now and again. It just depends. And and I guess where that comes from that I think that when I was in college, if I was reading a person's biography, and I guess my point is that I would always think I had to do exactly you know, like you talked about Bush earlier, exactly what they did in life, right? And if I didn't do exactly what they did or walked a path they led, that I was a failure. So yeah. I kind of got to where I, I was trying to get the sense of what the book was about, kind of what their accomplishments were and little things, how they did it, but not try to track my way every way they did it. And that yeah. way, because I, I got to find my own way, right? And That's that, right. yeah, not everybody's going to be the same, you know, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, whatever you want to say, but you got to find your own path. And I think that's what I tried to learn was like, Hey, I can look at the things they did, but I don't need to go exactly how they actually went from point A to point B to point C. And I think that's kind of what confuses people too, is that just because, you know, there's sports heroes, like, you, you know, whoever you want to say, Tom Brady, what he did, I got to do exactly like what he did. I was like, well, nah, your, your life, the path is going to be completely different. Trust me. So. I yeah. would love to see people follow Tom Brady path i'm like to be tom brady you need to become the greatest football player of all time and every single national football league team passes you up several times in the nfl draft even the new england patriots who everybody think was brilliant to draft him in the sixth round they took four other guys before they took tom brady that's how brilliant they were i mean and i love stories like that there's nothing that gets me more excited than seeing somebody that's been beaten up that overcome the odds. I mean, this is what, you know, uh, the last book I wrote, Leadership Begins with Motivation. When I was a middle school teacher, I was the only teacher in the history of my middle school to have no tardy students. And it's because I, I started all of my classes with a Paul Harvey story. Paul Harvey, uh, he died. He passed away a couple of years ago at the age of 325 years old. But I grew up listening to him on the radio every day. He'd come on at 1215 and he'd say, I'm Paul Harvey with the rest of the story. And he tells these five minute stories where you're trying to figure out who's he talking about or what company. The problem is a lot of those stories were about like Sears Roebuck. Well, kids today, they don't even know what Sears Roebuck is. Yeah. And so the book that I wrote, I updated like Paul Harvey stories with more contemporary people like Sarah Blakely with Spanx or with Elon Musk or with Jeff Bezos, because kids need to hear about, oh, oh, here's a pretty cool story. I mean, I was telling a, sh a story. Um, oh, I don't have my book with me. I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Uh, well, I can't. It was basically, oh, Gary Gilmore. So Gary Gilmore yeah. in 1977 was strapped to a chair with a bag over his head because he was going to become the first person 
executed in America in the past 10 years because he had killed a, a hotel manager and a, a clerk at a convenience store in Utah. And before the firing squad went to were set to execute him, they asked him if he had any final words. Well, neither he nor anybody that day would understand the power of those words. So you, fa you, you, you fast forward 10 years. In 1988, Dan Whedon, an advertising executive in Portland, Oregon, with the Whedon and Kennedy Agency, he gave somewhat of a more pitch to a struggling fashion company about what their new slogan should be. And basically everybody in the room hated his idea. And Dan Whedon looked at the company's co-founder and he said, trust me on this one. And the company's co-founder, the company and the public have never looked back since then. Oh, the yeah. co-founder was a guy by the name of Phil Knight. His, hey. struggling, his, his struggling fashion company was a company called Nike. Mm -hmm. And Dan Whedon slightly altered Gary Gilmore's last words, let's do it, to just do it, which has become this global phenomena. All I mean, kids love to hear stories like that. I'm, I'm constantly telling stories. Like, so I, I wrote a story the other day, the book I'm writing right now. There's these two women. They're in New York City. They're at a diner. And both of them were choreographers. And uh, one was named Martha. The other one was named Agnes. And Agnes had just put produced her third play on Broadway. And the critics were just panning this play. The public seemed to like it, but the critics hated it. And Agnes looks at Martha and she's like, you know what? I'm just going to pull this show. Nobody likes it. And Martha says, you can't do that, Agnes. It's not for you to determine if your work works good or not, you know. There's never been another you. There's never been another you. There will never be another you. Oh, it's just you. And if you don't put your work out into the world, the world will never have your work. Well, Martha was Martha Graham, who became the mother of modern dance. She won the Kennedy Center Honors. She won the Presidential Medal of Freedom. She, you know, one of the most incredible choreographers in history. Mm -hmm. And Agnes, her friend, was Agnes DeMille, who won all those honors herself. And she became the first woman to have three hits on Broadway at the same time, including the play she was going to pull. She just changed the name of the play to Oklahoma. <laughs> We've never had Oklahoma if Agnes wow. pulled that show. And so I think kids need to hear those stories. Yeah. You know, um, uh, you know, I'm always I'm a huge sports fan, so I always look at the sports store. I mean, I, my poor wife, she's like, why do you like the Olympics so much? I'm like, oh, oh, it's nothing but stories, man. I mean, uh, and I, I I hate myself for this, but I usually root against America. My wife's like, why are you rooting against America? I'm like, well, who am I going to root for? Am I going to root for the American with the microchip and his Nikes? Or am I rooting for the barefoot Sudanese refugee who just survived a civil war? Like, of course I'm rooting for that. I mean, they do his background story in the guy. He's like, oh, I learned how to run when I was running away from the bullets and my village i'm like of course i'm rooting for that guy it's an amazing story you know so but i think people need to hear these stories too many people are they're they're filling their minds with garbage mm -hmm. and turn off the news you know i have an uncle who loves to watch cable news and i asked him recently i'm like did the president call you to to get some advice he's like no i'm like He's like, why are you asking me that? I'm like, well, you watch the news all the time. You must be an expert at this point. <laughs> you know, 
Nobody cares. Nobody sure. cares to so stop. You can't affect this change. So if you can't do anything about it, stop beating your mind. Spend your time more wisely on something that you can affect. You know, if you really want to help the world, read to this kid. Nobody's reading to this kid. You know, volunteer coaching at this at this uh, elementary school. They need they need somebody to coach. You know, do something. Do something that makes the world a little bit better place. Watching TV news ain't going to make the world a better place. <laughs> no, so so going back, uh, talking about what I was reading though, uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. I read that a few years ago. Isn't that great, That's great, great book. Great book. Yeah. But you know, in and talking about you know success and leadership and people who actually took a leap of faith and you know gave the world a great present, I guess you could say, or something mm-hmm. to remember them by. I mean, is that? When I'm reading books about these people and like entrepreneurs and, you know, just whoever, people who are actually just taking a chance at life and taking a risk and that that seems to be one of the common themes that were not afraid or maybe they were afraid at first to take a chance at something. And like it's a good underdog story. Right. But then something happens and they take that leap of faith or they confide in somebody and or somebody confides in them and they take that chance and like, bam, success happens. And it's not as easy as it sounds. Obviously, you know, it's like a, the tip of the, the iceberg theory where you see everything on top, but you didn't see everything at the bottom of the water, what was actually going on. Right. But yeah, it's one of those things. And, and I always remember going back to my college days and stuff, you know, I was always like, you know, played, I got to play the safe road, you know, and just that, I think that was just kind of bred into, maybe not bred into, it's not the, or grained into me, whatever you want to say, because, you know, it's like, hey, you know, you get a good job, go to college, you'll get a good job, and you take the safe, steady road, and, you know, you won't have to worry about anything, but now it's kind of like, maybe I should have tried to take an extra risk, or took a chance on not going to, or skipping college, and seeing what would happen, and, you know, with my life like that, and I think, you know, like you were talking about, you know, when people kind of or some teachers and guidance counselors, like I was listening to Aaron Rodgers, you know, on a podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, I, it was his guidance counselor or a teacher. Someone told him he would never amount to anything, basically. Yeah. And, like, you know, now he's, you know, obviously a great, great, arguably one of the great quarterbacks yeah. of the NFL. But it's one of those things like children hear stuff like that. They're like, well, I guess maybe I should take this nice and steady road and not take a chance on showing off my skills or whatever I have. No? Yeah, I, w- I was making this point the other day. I was speaking to a group of entrepreneurs, Chris, and I said, uh, have you ever noticed that the people that always say enjoy the journey have already succeeded? Mm-hmm. Like when they were failing, oh, like, wow, this is I'm really enjoying this journey, not being able to pay my rent and starving to death. This is a lot of fun. No, they never said that, you know, but. Uh, So I challenged the audience. I said, what's the opposite of success? And they all shout failure. I'm like, no, it's not. The opposite of success is not trying or quitting. To succeed, yeah. you need to fail a lot. There's a great a great quote by Max Levchin. Since you're in IT, you might know who Max Levchin is. Do you know Max Levchin? I don't think so. Okay, so I'm going to tell you his quote. He's like, the very first company I started failed with a great bang. The second one failed a little bit less, but still failed. The third one, you know, proper failed, but it was kind of okay. It did all right. Number four almost didn't fail. It still didn't really feel great, but it did okay. Mm. Number five was PayPal. (laughs) And bam. Well, if your first four failures lead to a billion-dollar company, I think it's all right to to stumble on your face. I mean, look at Steve Jobs. Everybody uses Steve Jobs. They always look at his success at Apple and at uh, Pixar. They forget about the Lisa. They forget about the next. I mean, that guy fell flat on his face many times. People forget. They always love I always tell people, you know, Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs in a single season, an amazing feat, a record that stood over 30 years in Major League Baseball. Sure. 
Most people conveniently forget. He also led the league in strikeouts the same year with 89. I, for one, want to swing for the fences every single day. But people don't look at that. They don't look at the failure. They always look at the success. And like, you show me. I mean, look at uh, the actor, John Hamm. I love John Hamm. I think he's great. He cracks me up. I think he's wonderful. That guy fell flat on his face for like 20 years. I mean, he was about to quit acting and he finally got his big break. I mean, sometimes you just got to be in the right place in the right time. I just tell people, make sure you're prepared for that moment that you've prepared for it. Because if you haven't prepared for it, you're going to miss your moment. Yeah. That's one of the things. And speaking of another great book, though, to that, it's called Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. And oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good book, too. Yeah. And it's like, I look for those green lights, like those moments like that now and just that. Hey, you know, don't don't be hesitant or shy away from something when you kind of see something coming at you. Just like, hey, you know, am I ready for this moment? Well, we'll see. I don't know, but and hopefully, I did all my preparation just right. But and I think that was another thing I learned over my life journey, whatever you want to say. That I used to shy away from things because it was almost like you ever heard of like people being scared of success. You know, it's like, well, what if I do get it? Or you know, what am I going to do now? You know, now that's I got somebody, on my back. That's somebody trying to talk themselves out of success. <laughs> see, and I think that's how I used to be. Honestly, just that I was always afraid to take, like I was saying, take those chances and stuff. And it's like, well, what if I do get it? Then it's like, oh, what am I going to do now? You know, I'm a, I'm a very spiritual person, Chris. Every single night I pray to God to test my faith by giving me unlimited wealth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, but, uh, you know, overall that we're talking about books and everything. I mean, like, what is your all time favorite number one book? Do you have? One? Oh, gosh, I hate this question. You know, <laughs> everybody's you gonna you, everybody has to give you the standard answer, the Bible, oh. well, like the Bible. But it's not like uh, I'm sitting there leisurely reading the Bible all the time. Um, you know, I'll give you since I. So I have uh, one of the top book clubs online. It's called lazyreaders.com. Anybody who wants to subscribe, it's a free subscription. Once a month for the rest of your life, I update it with 10 book recommendations, three or four adult level, three or four young adult level, and three or four children's level books, all under 250 pages. So you have something you can read when you're stuck in a boring meeting. Yeah. Uh, people tell me all the time they have nothing, no time to read. I'm like, well, you're you're equating reading with Dostoevsky, which is one type of book. But I mean, you know, I read personal development books. I mean, most of those books are 200 pages, maybe something like that. I mean, one of the best books I ever read was uh, The Art of Possibility by um, Rosamond and Ben Zander. Wonderful book. Uh, that's under 200 pages. Let me see. Um, I'll give you an adult, a, an adult, a young adult, and a uh, a children's book. So for for adult, okay, um, I'm going to give you The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Uh, that was the first book where I had to put it down because I was laughing so hard. I had never read a book where it just made me laugh out loud. And I, I just... Douglas Adams, unfortunately, he passed away before he turned 50. He was just such a gifted writer. I, I, I He has one of my favorite because that's part of a trilogy. There's that that one. And then there's Life, the Universe and Everything and So Long and Thanks for All the Fish. But I remember in one of the books, uh, uh, he goes to the universal, the universe's largest bureaucracy. And he goes up to some bureaucrat and in the bureaucracy and he says oh can you help me with this problem and the guy says oh that sounds like an sep and he's like what's an sep he's like somebody else's problem and he leaves and i just thought that was the funniest thing so whenever you can use this with your it people oh that's that sounds like an sep that's somebody else's problem i don't I like that i love that so I'll, I'll give douglas adams that's a funny one um for young adults 
you know, oh, oh, I'll give you one I haven't given to people. Uh, there's a great, there's a great book called um, A Long Way from Chicago by Richard Peck. And I once had an editor tell me, Danny, you're a very funny author, but if you want to become a great author, you got to make people laugh, you got to make people cry, and you got to make people think. Richard Peck is that guy. He's today's Mark Twain, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's about a couple of kids uh, during the 1930s and the Great Depression, and their parents put them on a train from Chicago to uh, live with their grandmother in rural Illinois during the summer. And Grandma is a character. And that book, I, I've read that book to some of the toughest kids, like I, even in juvenile detention facilities where people are like, oh, you'll never get these kids excited about reading. I'll read that book. And the kids are just sitting there hanging on every word. So that would be my young adult recommendation. Richard Peck, absolutely. Uh, a Long Way from Chicago was a Newbery Honor book, which is the highest. It's one of the highest honors you can get for young adult. And the sequel to that book was called uh, A Year Down Yonder. And that actually won the Newbery Award. So it's wonderful. And then for children, uh, my favorite book of all time, probably as a kid, was Where the Wild Things Are by Marie Sendak. Uh, I just I just used to look at the pictures and I love it was about a mischievous boy like me. And uh, there's something so captivating about that book. Uh, and I I think. Adults are making a mistake if you don't reread children's books. I mean, I think some of the best wisdom, even personal development. I mean, this is a trick I actually give people. I'm not that sharp, Chris. And so <laughs> before I go to a party, I'll go to Barnes and Noble and I'll go to the children's section and I'll read children's picture books about famous people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. And then I'll go to the party, you know, and I'll act like I know all this information. I'm like, well, I just read it in a 32 page picture book for kids. You know, people don't ask you that, you know, and then I, I read more and more. But I mean, it's fascinating how much if you're just reading the kids books, a lot of the kids books, they're a lot more straightforward. I Oh, some of the adult books I read are just so long winded. I'm like, come on, just get to the point. Uh, but that's the way I read. Everybody's a little bit different. Um, yeah. So there's three for you. I know you only asked for one, but I, I, there's just so many books I love. It just, it just reminded me of my favorite children's book. I think of all time growing up, go dog, go. Yeah, I, 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 I remember grow, growing up and reading that like every like you're talking about, you know, like every night. That was like my thing. It was like, hey, we're reading this one again. You know, that was my thing. It didn't matter how many times I already read it. That that's was right. my one. That's uh, right. Eastman, P.D. Eastman. I think that's who it was. Yeah. Well, P.D. Eastman. So that's an interesting story. So Dr. Seuss, his first book was rejected by the first. 27 publishers he submitted it to. The book was called, oh. and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, which went on to become the best-selling book of the 1930s during the Great Depression. And one of the cool things a lot of people don't realize is Dr. Seuss, he decided he'd publish other authors who were struggling like he was. And so uh, P.D. Eastman had this book called Are You My Mother? And nobody else would publish it. And he published it. And that's how you get all these great P.D. Eastman books. My favorite thing about Dr. Seuss was he had this couple who they had these books um, that had been rejected by hundreds of publishers. And Dr. Seuss looked at the at the husband. He said, Stan, I love the bears, but you got to change the name. Change it to the Berenstain Bears. Uh huh. Publishing phenomenon. You know, uh, yep. I, I love story. And they, these are the stories when I'm talking to little kids, I, this is how I get them excited about reading. I mean, um, you know, uh, there's a great story. Maurice Sendak, who wrote Where the Wild Things Are, he said uh, when he was a little boy, 
his aunts and uncles used to come to his house every single weekend and they they drank lots of beer and they made lots of noise and they totally trashed his house. And so when he was drawing the monsters and where the wild things are, those are his aunts and uncles. And this is why I tell this to kids is kids will tell me, uh, I mean, kids tell me they have nothing to write about. I'm like, you have all kinds of things to write about. I'm like, when I was in first grade, I, I told my kids this once. I'm like, no, no, no. When I was in first grade, I had a teacher. She called me stupid and she smacked me on the hand and got me to cry in front of the whole class. And so the next day I was walking to school and I had an apple and I peed on the apple and I gave her the apple. and She <laughs> ate the apple that day and said, oh, that's the best apple I've ever had. I tell that to my first graders. They're like, that is awesome. <laughs> Also, the reason I've never accepted food from a child. All right. So if you want if you want kids to tell you stories, you got to tell kids stories. And I, I, I want kids to start, you know, living life. Man. I like we we try and push kids into things way too quickly. My sure. kids have to kid. I, I watch little kids. They'll sit there and stare at ants for 90 minutes. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe all of us have to stare at ants every day for 90 minutes. They get some of the most creative ideas that I love that with kids. We ignore kids all the time. They, they're brilliant to me. <laughs> well, Danny, I want to be respectful of your time. And uh, I'm glad you were here. And I'm glad you uh, we had this little chat and it was fun for me. So, But if people, if you want to plug anything or if people want to find you or anything, how do they do that? Well, first of all, thank you for having me from cell number 47834 here in Seaside, Oregon. Uh, as, a, as a thank you for bearing with me, Chris, I want to serve you and your audience. So if they go to freegiftfromdanny.com, again, freegiftfromdanny.com, I'm going to give everybody two gifts. First of all, I'm going to give everybody a complimentary e-copy of my book, Read, Lead, and Succeed, which is a book I wrote for a school principal who was trying to keep his faculty and staff positively engaged. So I said, okay, I'll write you a book. So every week I give you a concept, an inspirational quote, an inspirational story, a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy because you're an adult. So I also give you a children's picture book recommendation that demonstrates the same concept. You can read that in five minutes. And I'm also going to give everybody access to a uh, last summer. I did a five day reading challenge online where every day for five consecutive days, I give an hour of tips for parents on how to get their kids excited about reading. Because remember, oh. the more excited we get kids about reading, the more likely they are to read. And the more you read, the better you get. And I, I just really thank you for this opportunity, Chris. I, the world's a lot better with you in it. I I, uh, I encourage all of your listeners to give you a five-star review and to, to keep on spreading the word about uh, such a wonderful podcast. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Appreciate you again. And uh, maybe we'll do it again sometime down the road, man. This was fun. This was good for me. Anytime. I appreciate it, Chris. Take care. Okay. Bye, folks. We're out of here. God bless. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 